Well, welcome. I'll say that again. Welcome. It's good to have you and to be a part of this church family. Those of you who are here and those of you who are are watching and a part of us from your home or maybe at some point later are picking this up on a podcast, we're glad you're a part of Why Is That a Free Family. Uh, I do want to say, I, I have to say this week, uh, when you look at um, at one point, uh, in fact, this morning, my wife and I took a walk early this morning. We just marveled at God's creation. I mean, I, I, I actually spent, we were down in Florida for when this big frost f- storm hit. But we could see as we walked and we saw pictures. It made the news down there of this incredible um, beauty of nature. When you, you just looked out and you, and you could see um, just so artfully formed and painted on kind of the fingers and limbs of these trees, this frost. It was gorgeous. And then I contrast that with another part of God's creation, his highest creative order, human beings. And I contrasted that as I looked at the pictures and um, as you saw as well, the ugliness of human nature with hatred flowing from hearts through hands of violence and lips that were just venomous with obscenities. And I, I, I just kind of go, I was trying to take in these two aspects and yet watch that. And I was um, shocked and I, I have to say very sad. I remember just watching it at one point and just I had tears as I looked at what was happening in our capital. And I just want to be very blunt. And that is there was no excuse for the violence and behavior that took place and never is. The word of God is really clear. Put away violence and oppression, execute righteousness and justice according to Ezekiel 45. Do not pay, repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. I read a quote um, uh, from Chuck Colson who said, people who cannot restrain their own basic, baser instincts and who cannot treat one another with civility are not capable of self-government. Without virtue, a society can be ruled only by fear. And so I just wanted to address us as a congregation as we move into this and, and, and merely just want to say, here are some things that we can do. And the first is just, I would call us to repent personally. My first instinct is to point a finger and and to get angry. And yet, Jesus makes it really clear that he said at one point, the law says do not murder, do not be violent, and yet if you have hatred in your own heart, there is a violence within that needs to be dealt with. And so in the light of the Capitol riots, I just want to ask us, because we can make a difference, to pay attention to what's in our heart. And that we take a look at that in our own hearts. And then I just want to also call us to what I would say is um, a, a kind of a passionate intercession. And we are told so clearly in the word of God to pray for our leaders, even or especially um, when we disagree with them. I don't care where you're at. First Timothy 2 is really clear, and Paul wrote that at a time when Nero was in government, and he was actually burning people at the stake to be lights within Rome. 
And he writes that. And I just say, as we move into these 21 days, making room for God, part of what we should be doing in these 21 days is interceding passionately for our nation and our country. Because democracy is a gift that God gives us. And then I'm going to encourage all of us just to speak and act graciously. Ephesians 4.15 says it clearly. Speak the truth in love. It never says to speak the truth in any other way but out of a heart of love. And so act, and, and do what you know is right, but do it um, with the fruits of the Spirit and, and, and graciously. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks, and what's outside, he's basically saying, is revealed by what's inside. And, and in one sense, uh, as we go through this, we, we shouldn't be shocked in some ways because God is just revealing what's inside us as people which should spur us on to be the kind of people who act in ways that are both gracious and ways that are loving. And the last is, as we were listening to this and we were praising God, it just hit me as, as, as Lily read that one scripture about God watching, one of the passages of scriptures that the Lord gave me as I was thinking about this was that we're to live, in a sense, confidently but circumspectly. There is this sense in, in, in the psalm that I love. In Psalm 11, verses 4 and 5, says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. And I just thought, you know what? God knows fully, fully what what's happening and, and what he's allowing and what he's also using through this. And we do not have to live in fear. And we should not be enabling that. We are called to be people who are confident that God is in control. And we are also told that the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he says it again, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. You can't mince those words. And he just basically says, God will judge. We, this is not the end. We are living with the reality that God is in control and no president, no leader, no anything but him. And so I'm just going to call us as a church that we, we need to, um, in these times, I believe, not only model but we need to do what God is calling us to do. And when he calls us to do it, there is no, in his word, there is no excuse for violence, whether it is through our words or whether it is through our actions. And so he calls us to that. And he calls us to be a people who live that way. And so I just walked and I marveled and I look and you can see God's creation. And you see that frost form and you just go, we have this good God who paints these incredible pictures for us. And he calls us to live in the highest part of who we've been called to be in Christ. And so let's do that. Let me just pray. Father, as we look at these 21 days of making room for you, I'm asking right now through the words that I speak, as we look at 1 Samuel 3, these verses here, God, would you make room in our hearts for what you want to say to us? Spirit of God, come. And we pray, may this place right now, may what is being heard even across um, these digital uh, communication sources, may you be present in a, in a way that people would go, yes, God is here. He's with us. He's speaking even to me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, what I want to share with you as we move towards these 21 days and we start this today is um, there are... Uh, in this time, what we're doing is saying making space for God so we can hear from God. And so what I want to do is, is address what I believe are some myths about hearing God that you may have believed. Uh, we hear them so often over and over again, whether we're taught by our parents or whether we're taught in school or whether we're taught in a church tradition or whatever it is. Some things where we go, oh, um, I believe these things. And in, in, in fact, in Scripture, it, it, it talks about these are um, in Matthew at one point they they were, uh, it was about the resurrection and, and Jesus had just um, gone to death and, and, and the high priests and them come before, uh, before um, Caiaphas and, and Caiaphas comes before Pilate and says, Pilate, we would like some soldiers to put in front of the empty, uh, of that tomb because he said that he would in three days, this liar told us he would rise again. And so we want to, we want to stop any potential, you know, lies that could get out there. So put those guards in front, and so we know the story. The angel comes down, overwhelms the guards. They fly flat on their face, and and they run. And 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 then they come back to Pilate, and they tell him and, and to the priests what happened. And they said, "Just lie. You know, go ahead and tell everybody that you were sleeping, and and during the time you were sleeping, um, the apostles came and stole the body." Well, it's really interesting because if you read in Matthew, it, it, it says that um, in verse 15 of chapter 28, and it says that this story has been widely circulated among Jews to this very day. These myths have been circulated to cause people to believe something that wasn't true. And the problem is whenever you believe something that is not true, it, it actually... Um, it, it imprisons you and stunts your growth and it stunts your relationship with God. So if you look at the word of God, the word of God will always tell you what is true. So you can begin to decide what is true and what is a myth. And so what I want to do is come before you and share with you four myths about hearing God. And you can go to the word of God and you can, you can understand that this isn't true. These myths that sometimes get out there when it comes to what it means to be in a conversational, personal relationship with God. So if we look at first Samuel chapter three, you'll see it exposes is, is what the Bible says, these widely circulated stories that are not true. And if you live in the truth, you'll be set free. Jesus was clear on that. In John 8, he said um, very clearly, if you, if you hold to what is true, the truth will set you free. So every person, here's the truth, every person who places their trust and faith in Jesus moves into a relationship because of the Holy Spirit that you have within you where you can begin to learn to listen and be and to walk and to talk, as it says in the old hymn, and be guided by the Spirit of God. You enter into a kind of relationship where you can know God in a very personal way and he will guide you. And so the very first myth we'll see as we go through this is this idea that... Um, that God doesn't speak today. And we'll go through and you'll find another myth is that God only speaks to spiritual giants. You heard that? Or, or, or this idea that, that God doesn't guide, I mean, that God guides everyone. You know, he just guides everyone. That's another myth. And the other one that will, will, will come across a myth that you find often so true is that intimacy, this kind of um, ability to be in this kind of relationship with God doesn't take much work. It just, it kind of happens. So let me just share with you the scripture. First Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Meanwhile, while the boy 
um, Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And, and now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the temple near God's presence, the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called him a third time. And one more time, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Again, he says, then he realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And so Samuel answers him. When God calls him again, he says, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. And God gives him a revelation. The myth, God doesn't speak today. The story goes like this. All you need, all you need today is the Bible. All you need is to read God's word. That's all, that's all that's needed. And you are just to live according to that. You don't need to hear God's voice. You don't need to develop an ear for God and his spirit's promptings. Um, or a conversational prayer relating, which is God, you talk to him and, and, and you maybe can't really expect the fact that he'll speak to you or how he'll speak to you. Personal leadings, prophetic words, dreams, visions, and other ways that God may communicate happened at one time, but not today. If you read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, listen to this, and it's a good thing to kind of note in the Bible. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. I read that, and I'm a lot like my little three-year-old grandson, because every time I talk to my little three-year-old grandson, you'll find it's amazing. He'll, he'll answer me by saying, why? You have that with little three-year-olds? Why? And, and I think God must feel that way with me, because when, when he um, puts verses in front of me so often, my response is like a little three-year-old. But why? Why was it rare? What, why did, what's this have to say? What does this mean? And, and I kind of sit across from the table when I'm reading in my quiet times as if I'm asking the Lord Jesus, tell me what does this have to say? Why was God not speaking? What made it that his messages were so rare? Did, did God not choose to speak? It really was the problem with God or was the problem with the people of God? And if you look at the Word of God, you'll find that the the Word of God always gives us the answer. But you need to know the Word of God. So one of the ways you actually begin to understand who God is is by knowing His Word. So reading God's Word is incredibly important to be able to understand and hear and listen to when God is speaking to you. Because in His Word is His truth reveals His truth. So as you grow in this relationship, God's Word is so 
incredibly important. But if you just go back a chapter at the, at the end, just before 1 Samuel and the history of 1 Samuel begins, you come to this chapter in Judges. And in Judges, there's this interesting story all throughout Judges. What's happening with the people of God is they've come into the land, they are walking with the Lord, then they fall away from the Lord, they fall away, and then God through pain, through people overrunning or through famine or different things, God gets their attention again. And when they get, he gets their attention, they begin to listen, he sends a deliverer, and they walk with God for a while because now they're listening to God. This happens again and again and again until you get near the end of the, 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 the book. And as you get near the end of the book, You'll see that what God has to say in, in verses, um, it, it's here, verse 17, verse 6, as we're getting to the end of the story, he says, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then it, it has this constant theme. You go to verse 8, chapter 18, verse 1, it says a similar thing. Chapter 19, verse 1, there's a continuous refrain. And you're getting this idea, in those days, Israel had no king. And the idea is again and again that everyone was doing what they wanted to do. They weren't listening to God. And it finally ends in, in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And it ends by saying, in those days, Israel had no king. It's in a sense they had no one guiding them, no one leading them. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Why was the word of the Lord rare? Why was it God was no longer speaking? You have to ask, was the issue with God or with the people of God? And what you find is you read the word of God, it was with the people. They walk away from God, they no longer hear his voice, and even pain, catch this, even pain will not get their attention. It now becomes a rare thing to hear from God. And I just go, one of the reasons I said we need to intercede passionately, even as a nation, is because even pain can cause us to not hear God and, 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 and come to a place where we don't even, even with pain, we don't hear him. So here's, here's the point. The myth is that God's no longer speaking today. The myth is that God isn't personally wanting to speak to you. The truth is that God is speaking, yet we stop listening. When it becomes rare, it's because we've walked away, and we don't listen. Even when God brings pain into our life, we begin to get calloused from hearing his voice, and we fail to hear the Spirit of God. Yes, it is true you need the Bible. The fullness of the character of God is in the Word of God. We, we will not have any more revealed plan or understanding of God's salvation. It's all here in the word of God. But I look at it this way. God also gives us his personal relationship through the Holy Spirit, and he promises that he will communicate to us and lead us and guide us. His desire is to walk and talk with us, and it's never shifted from the garden when he walked and talked with Adam and Eve he walked and talked with Enoch, we're told. He walked and talked with Noah, we're told. He walked and talked with Abraham and Sarah. He walked and talked, as we're told through the word of God, with Moses and Miriam. We're told that he walked and he talked also with Ruth and David. Throughout scripture, he's walking and talking with people who are willing to listen and to hear him. And one of the things that you may have believed, one of the things that I think you need to really consider, have you been taught, have you believed what is not true in the word of God? And that is that really you don't need to hear him. In fact, if you do, you put yourself in a crazy place where you might hear some weird things and, and the reality is that can be, you can, you can get way off on one end. But if you anchor the word of God and the voice of God together, he will lead and guide you.
And that's the truth. I was sharing with someone and they were sharing this with me and I said, you know, it would be like if God, um, if my wife said to me here, I've written, I'm going to be going away and I wrote a book. It tells me all about who I am, all what you should be doing in this house, all about what our relationship be like. And, and you just need to look at the, the book when you want to find out. I, that would not be the kind of relationship I'd want. And so God does choose to speak with us. The other myth is this. Only God speaks to spiritual giants. And you may have grown up kind of thinking, well, you know, it's just the ones that are really close and are the spiritual giants that God speaks to. Because I don't get that. And I hear, you know, the pastor, I hear other people come up and they talk about how God speaks to them. First um, Samuel, verse 1 through 6 in chapter 3 is a is an important scripture because it gives you this way of God speaking to to Samuel who's just a little boy he calls to him three times and it's not till the fourth time that that finally Eli understands oh God's trying to get a hold of him and what I find is interesting the spiritual giant of that day should have been Eli he was the high priest but he's hearing nothing from God He has enough sense to recognize it was God. Samuel is just a little boy. He's not even a teenager. He has no degree. He has no spiritual pedigree. He has had done nothing of any kind of spiritual kind of heroic that that as you look at his life and you go, boy, God should be speaking to this guy. He had nothing with regard to presenting to God. He's just a custodian when we read this word. He's he's really a person who's just taking care of the furniture in the house of God. He's just a little boy. But he's the epitome of humility. His greatest qualification is that he's open to hear God's voice. That's That's the greatest qualification that he has. Jesus would say it like this in Luke chapter 18, verse 17. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into the kingdom that God is bringing. And a lot of times we take that to mean it's salvation. But it isn't. To live in the kingdom of God means to live in his reign, in his rule. It means to walk day in and day out with the presence of God. And what he's saying, the person who begins to cultivate and move into the presence of God, where they walk into a relationship where they begin to hear God, is the person who, like a little child, is, is open and they're hungry and they're humble. They have these kind of characteristics. Think of like a child. One of the reasons children are, are so fun is because they're just so sincere and they're so open and, there's, and, and, they're, and they're expecting and believing and trusting and, and all these things. And, and I think it's such an interesting thing that here you have Eli who has walked away like the rest of them and now the, the word of God has become rare. He's not in a conversational relationship with God and God contrasts this with this little boy who's sitting and sleeping near the, the ark of God who is just a little guy who can hear God's voice. Walking and talking with Jesus day in and day out. This kind of conversation reality that you have with God is like a child. The child expects. God calls us to expect he has, has our Father to be in communication with us. Samuel was so hungry for God. He so wanted God's glory that he, he would 
he would sleep near the ark. I don't know if it was required that a little kid would have to sleep near the ark, but he wanted, he, he was so desiring to be with God that he would sleep near the ark. I um, had this opportunity this year with my, my daughter. She was with us at Christmas with her little um, six-month-old son, Tab, and her husband, and, and they brought their dog as well. And this dog is amazing. He just wants to be by you all the time. So much so that like when we're doing the dishes, I, since we don't have a dog that's in the house, when I went to back up, the dog's laying right there. I mean, this dog just wants to be near you. And, and so my daughter sent me this picture not too long ago. So much does a dog like to be with them. <laughs> little, little guy's taking a bath. And this dog is like, got her head right in there. Samuel wanted God so much. It's not about being a spiritual giant. It's about having a giant heart for God. That's his desire. We're told that even later, Samuel has to learn this in chapter 16, verse 7, when he's looking for the next king, because Saul doesn't qualify. And the Lord says to Samuel, don't judge by appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, because he's not impressed with spiritual exploits or biblical knowledge or your charisma or, or the size of your abilities. He's, he's always impressed with the size of your heart. And I just think of that dog and I go, do I want to be near God? The, the other myth is that God guides everyone. Let me just share with you that God guides those who really want to be guided. God speaks to everyone. We're told that in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. It says that, listen as wisdom calls out, hearing as, as understanding raises their voice. I love how the Message Bible paraphrases this. It says, wisdom takes your stand at first and main at the busiest intersection right in the city square where the traffic is the thickest. And, and she shouts, you, I'm talking to all of you, everyone out here in the streets. So, so there's a real sense that God speaks to everyone, Right? He's calling all the time. He, he calls to us in creation. When you see that frost that is formed on the, those limbs and those trees, and you look at it and you go, man, that was the hand of God painting that for us. He calls to us through our conscience. He'll call through us through common sense. He'll call to us through providence as we see God work in things. He will call to any person, even people who don't know him. But he guides not everyone. He guides those who are receptive and desire to be guided by him. And are willing to be vulnerable and say, God, this is who I am. And this is where I'm at. And God, I would love for you to be a part of guiding my life. God will guide any person who at some point says, and, and if you would just, if this is in your heart right now, and you're saying, God, I really want this walking, talking relationship, uh, all you need to say is, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I want to follow you. I want to enter into a relationship where you guide my life. I recognize my, my own sin and my need for forgiveness. And in that, would you come and fill me with your spirit that I might hear your voice and walk with you? I want you to be my life leader. That simple prayer opens your heart up 
to the, to the reality of God, which we call salvation, as well as it means moving into a place where he begins to guide you. I want to invite you, if you want to hear more on just this, I, I did, and, and I see Sarah sitting over here, I did a podcast that Sarah and I did together on vulnerability, and in this podcast, I love how Sarah opens up and she shares about how she is hearing God. You can walk with God for a long time, but at some point, if you begin to move in this place and, and, and God begins to move in your heart, he can move you to a level where you go, boy, I really want to learn how to grow in hearing and understanding and listening and walking and talking with Jesus. And God would be willing to do that for you. The fourth myth is this. Intimacy just happens. Anybody, um, if, for those of you who are here, raise your hand if you're married. Okay, those of you out there listening, I see your hands too. Um, every one of you, if I just told, if I said, and I was up here preaching, I said, intimacy just happens. You don't need to do anything in your relationship. You would look at me and say, what a fool, Right? Because you know it takes work. You have to practice certain things. You have to live in a certain way. You have to learn how to be vulnerable and trusting and be in a relationship where you allow the other person to um, enter into your life so that you enter in their, their life in ways where you're moving towards a growing trust and understanding and care for each other. Well, it is so true with, with your relationship with God. It just doesn't happen. It, it doesn't, if you just go through life and you don't take time to put yourself in a place where God can speak to you through his word, where you begin to open your heart and spend time with him in prayer, if you don't do those kind of things that open your heart and, and, and you allow him to begin to speak to you, you won't probably hear him. Because it takes a humble and open heart to be guided by him. And Samuel, if you read this, you go through the scripture, I, I think this idea that when it says that he, he, he slept near the ark of God is very telling. It's basically this statement that he desired to put himself in a place next to God. And I want to say to parents, especially to moms right now, I don't believe Samuel got this alone. Even though Samuel had been dedicated, it was probably after he was about two years old, he was given to the temple sometime late enough in his life. But you have to believe that his mom came to him again and again and said, God, to Samuel, Samuel, you are special to God. You're here because of God. God has something for you. And man, if I could take each one of you, I'd like to look you in the eyes and just say to you, in your eyes, You are special to God. He put you here for a reason. He wants to walk and talk with you. He wants to be involved in your life. But will you put yourself in a place where you can hear God? I've asked Andrea Habeisen, who is a pastor of worship and prayer, to come and to share with us just a few ways that you can can actually um, practically put yourself in a place to hear God and, and to to walk with him in ways together even as a church where you can hear the, the word of God. Like I said, you, you don't, this just doesn't happen naturally. Part of growing in anything means you do with others who have been formed by this, who, who themselves have practiced prayer. So there are ways that if you are willing to say, okay, I'll be humble, I'll be vulnerable, I don't know a lot of the Bible, I maybe don't know a whole lot about praying, but I will go to some of these things because in some of those places you will see others who know how to pray and you will learn how to pray. 
Again, it just doesn't happen. You can try and do it on your own. You can read some books about it. But you know, the best, the, the best people who, who do things really well are not people who are just book smart, right? They're people who actually do it with others. So Andrew, do you want to share a few things that um, we hope to as we reset, as we talk about moving from pause, reset with prayer? Thank you, Kevin. The beautiful thing about prayer is it is our connection to God. It's in those times when we're praying by ourselves that we're saying, God, I'm coming to you because you are the one who knows. But God also says in his word in Matthew eighteen twenty that where two or more are gathered in prayer, he is right there with us. And so there's something that happens that, again, that we can't really explain that's different than the one-on-one where two or three of us are coming together or more, and then we get connected to God and each other in a way that only he can do. And so we started a prayer force a number of years ago, and there's over 120 people that are part of the prayer force, and one of the things I ask people when they join is to find a prayer partner. Find somebody that you can pray with, because from time to time, we all need prayer. And if you have someone that you pray with, then that's the person you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Or maybe they can come to you. So the prayer force prays for each other, but then the prayer force also prays for our church, our community. I send out an email about once every week or 10 days and just say, hey, as a prayer force, let's pray for this one thing. What's God got in his heart for our church this week? Or maybe the community. What are we praying for in our community? The other thing, uh, sometimes people who are part of the prayer force are part of what we call special forces. And special forces are people who maybe uh, zero in on something. We have people from time to time who... Uh, communicate with us on the app or they'll call the church and they want prayer for healing or uh, could be physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. And we have people who are in what's called special forces and we connect with them and say, hey, would you pray for these people? Uh, sometimes we need people praying for the government. Sometimes it's for our youth. Uh, so we have special forces teams that do that. We also have a youth prayer force. Christina Dunawan uh, leads our youth prayer force, and there's over nine uh, people on that, and those are people in middle school and high school who are praying for each other, for their ministry, uh, what God is doing in our youth. Recently, we started uh, creating a network of over 31 churches to pray for our cities, the Twin Cities, in night and day prayer. Each church taking one day and praying for 24 hours, and ours is the first Wednesday of every month. So the prayer force is the first people I go to to cover those uh, prayer times, those one-hour prayer times. And a one-hour prayer time might seem like an awful lot of time to pray, but again, invite someone to join you and pray together, and you'll be amazed how fast that hour goes. Sometimes I'll just pray scripture over our congregation in that one hour. The other thing we're doing is partnering with Zion Church in Minneapolis and Faith Church in Minneapolis, and we're going to be prayer walking in the city. We've all heard about the escalation in violence 
And this is a way that we can, with feet on the ground and in cooperation with the 4th Precinct there, we're going to find out where we need to walk and where we need to pray. And we're uh, we're training right now. We're going to, in January this month, we're going to uh, together figure out exactly where we're going to be walking. If you want to be a part of that, please let me know. And the last thing is we have someone in our congregation who is organizing prayer for the 15 or 16 local hospitals in this time of COVID. And she's asking a couple people to come around and just pray for those hospitals. So if you want to be part of that, please let me know. But there's a whole lot of ways we can pray. I just, I wanted for Andrew to come up and just share some of these things because I want us to know that walking and talking with the Lord, learning that part of that is praying. Practical ways like this. You begin to hear with others how God is speaking to them and you can grow in prayer. And so we just shared a few. There are other things. If you're interested at all, please contact Andrea on that. What I... Um, want us to recognize as we move into, we move from pause and we start moving here um, in the next few weeks into this reset and what we're going to be asking and sharing with people with regard to this, the first thing we're going to do is reset in prayer. This church was formed by about five ladies years ago who met in a living room and prayed. And we are going to kind of say once again, we want to be a church that is formed by people that pray. And that's what we long to do. Everything Jesus did, when you think about it, he went 40 days into the wilderness and he prayed before he began his personal ministry. He went away for a night and prayed before he called his disciples. You just keep going on. He goes into the garden and he prays before he goes to the cross. He takes the church, the first formation of the 120, he prays before he releases the Holy Spirit on him. I really believe as we begin these 21 days, I want you to understand it's for us almost like that upper room experience. I believe God is calling us together and saying, I want you to make space for me not only in your lives, but in this church. So we had, at Christmas Eve, a um, video to start the Christmas Eve service from a 98-year-old in our church, Harry Titcombe. Well, here is a 90-year-old from our church who's going to talk about what she plans to do in the fast. So I'm so excited to let Dori Anderson share her story. What do you feel like God has laid on your heart uh, for this time right now as we're taking time to listen and to pray what are, what are some of the things that you're hearing? At 90 years young, it would be so easy to just sit in my apartment during the pandemic and vegetate. But fortunately, that is not what the Lord has in mind for me. Right. So let me just share a few of the ideas with you all as we begin our journey together with prayer and fasting during the new year. As I participate in the worship uh, with White That Are Free, by a live stream, one ear is listening to the message for the morning, while the other ear is also listening to the Holy Spirit and how I can practically put into practice what is being taught. You see, I believe the Lord is constantly speaking to us today if we be but tune in to what he is saying. So when the suggestions were made for this adventure together, I asked him to show me my part. And I wanted something to come alive for me. So I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do. And I was amazed when the answer came. He said, I want you to pray in the Spirit an hour a day. But praying in the Spirit for one hour had never been on my radar. And then two days before the end of the year, I tried it. 
Imagine my amazement when the first time I looked at my watch, I had been praying for 42 minutes. At the end of the time, I sensed the Lord telling me to journal what I had been praying. And that is another new call for this year. Journal what he is saying to me. Since then, I have been praying in the Spirit for an hour a day without waiting for January 9th. I think it's a new habit the Lord is instilling in me. And I'm happy to report that hour just flies by. When I asked the Lord to come into my heart so many years ago, I felt like I was being with covered with a blanket or a comforter of love. I can never comprehend the love of God, but I never take it for granted. Many times he takes me back to the cross as I look for answers. I do not call any challenges problems, only opportunities to see how the Lord is going to handle the situation. I look for his wisdom as he opens my mind and my heart. And then I've been given the privilege to pray with people on Zoom that I never knew existed. And this happens a couple times a week. There are people from Australia, Cyprus, the UK, Canada, and I'm getting to learn to know them. And this is just, I mean, this isn't the abundant life that I never expected. So my destiny is Jesus. It's a supernatural life waiting to be lived. I look at every day as a gift from the Lord. I love that. I just celebrate another day, another gift. And I pray that for Wyzetta Free as well. I think we are on the threshold of a great breakthrough. Mm -hmm. I am really excited to see what this January is going to be like. So I call you all to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to each and every one of you for this precious, precious time of 21 days. And I'm really looking forward to when everybody begins to share what the Holy Spirit has been saying. And I'd like to close by blessing you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom peace.